0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host on this Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. It is Friday. This is the Steel Curtain Network. We're getting ready to go official on March 1st. I'm excited for that. We've got a couple announcements to make before we get there, but not today. Today, though, we are just focusing solely on this first question, this first topic at hand. I said it on Wednesday. I'll say it again. I need to hire Doc M, Southside Doc, just to give me topics for shows in the off season because he's great at it. I, this is the second time. He has put a question into the mailbag and I thought, you know, this deserves more attention. This deserves a little bit of a deeper dive. And so that's what I did. Doc M asked on Wednesday what steps need to happen to achieve a successful offseason. And then he said, What would separate a great one from mediocre? When I read that during the the Wednesday mailbag, I was man, this is this is tough. So I decided here we go, the step by step guide. To a successful Steelers offseason, it kind of reminds me of the the old 1990 sitcom Step by Step. Uh, we're going to give you a three-step guide to what the Steelers need to do to, in my opinion, have a successful Steelers offseason. Let's get to it. Step one: Okay, we need to create a checklist of needs. That's really important, and everyone's done that. Fans have done it. The teams done it. They need to look at the checklist of team needs. So, just a couple to rattle them off here. Inside linebacker, safety, defensive line, offensive line, wide receiver, cornerback. It's just one of those things. You might even say that if they let Mitch Trubisky go, that, that backup quarterback would be on the list. I don't know. But there you have six, six positions in no particular order that would be considered the team needs that they need to identify and say, okay, step number one, first thing we got to do is get our checklist. There you have it, those positions. So that's step one. That's the easy stuff. Then you go to step two. Step two is a little bit more daunting. Step two, now you have to be able to check off all those boxes before the NFL draft. So again, this isn't free agency. This is not we need to wait inside linebacker. We'll just address it in the draft. No, they need to check every box in some way via free agency, before the NFL draft. Now, let me make this very clear. This could happen in-house, and it could be players from the outside. That's plain and simple. That could be either way, but it has to happen in free agency. Think back to last season. Last season, you had all those team needs, whether it was quarterback, you had team needs at Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think the other main cornerback was one safety was one, uh, inside linebacker was one along the offensive line were a lot. So think about what the Steelers did last year. And I know it wasn't Omar Khan and Andy Weedle, it was Kevin Colbert, but think about what they did though. On day one, they go out and get Mitch Trubisky quarterback check. They bring in Mason Cole. Okay. Versatile interior offensive lineman check. They bring in James Daniel Check. They signed Levi Wallace, check. They signed Arthur Millette. check. Miles Jack, check. They were going all down their team need list, and they were just slowly checking every single box. They didn't get them all checked, though. They didn't get them all checked, though. There was one glaring box that remained open heading into the draft. We'll talk about that. But step two is can the Steelers, Address all of those team needs and check all of those boxes before the draft. That's going to be important. That is going to, you cannot step, you can't skip a step here, folks. Not in my opinion and not in my methodology in this three step approach. You can't skip a step. So let's go to the third and final step then. You have to be able to go into the draft knowing that all the boxes have been checked, and it gives you that flexibility to be able to take the best player available and not draft by position. So I mentioned last year, the Steelers did not check all their boxes. They were lucky. They got really lucky, but they did not check all their boxes. The one glaring box that was not checked before the draft was at safety. The Steelers had a needed safety, and they signed Carl Joseph. But I think if you're like me, you saw that news and thought, that's not the answer. That that guy is not the answer. They didn't have a safety. Remember, Terrell Edmonds and Devontae KZ were both signed in the, some shoot, I think Terrell Edmonds was the waning hours after the NFL draft had concluded. KZ was not long after, and they addressed it then. But they went into the draft with a glaring need. Now, I don't know if they had maybe some inside intel that they're going to be able to sign at least one of those two guys. They end up signing them both, and that's why they didn't address safety in the draft. I don't know. I don't know. It wasn't a deep safety class, in my opinion, last year. Anyways, however, they were able to get that box checked, and they got lucky afterwards. But if they can check all the boxes, and let, so let's go back to the step first step. You think about the positions that they have, and you think about the free agents that are on their roster. So inside linebacker, you're not. I don't expect Devin Bush to come back. Robert Spillane is an option. Uh, Miles Jack, does he stick around? We'll see offensive line i think it's safe to say that the steelers don't need to necessarily check off a major box that would be pretty low on the uh on the priority list for me based on the fact that they can run back all five of their current offensive linemen and they've shown that they can they can play they can play at safety that's an issue that's a glaring need they need to bring back in my opinion one safety whether it's edmonds kz before that nfl draft give minka fitzpatrick a, a partner in the backfield, whoever that is, that's a must. The defensive line is a must. Larry Ogunjobi, do they bring him in? Is he going to cost too or they they keep him, I should say. Do they keep him or is he going to cost too much money? At cornerback, do they bring back Cameron Sutton or do they try to find another Levi Wallace type on the open market? These are tough questions. A wide receiver is a lot like the offensive line. I feel like it's not a they, they don't have to have that list that listed, so to speak. It would be nice for them to add to that, but I don't think it's a necessity. Some of these positions are certainly prioritized ahead of the offensive line and ahead of wide receiver when it comes to free agency. Make that very clear. So if they could go back to step one, you identify those. Can they check off all those boxes? Pick up some free agents. They don't have to be high-end free agents. It could be in the second wave of free agency. And then they can go into the NFL draft knowing that these boxes have been checked. This team, if they don't get their guy at that position in the NFL draft, they're fine. They have the players that are there. You just don't want to have that situation. Think about if Terrell Edmonds or DeMonte Casey were not acquired last year. What would they have done? they would have signed somewhere else, what would the Steelers have done at safety? Minka Fitzpatrick and who else? Carl Joseph got hurt in the preseason and was lost for the rest of the year on, on IR. That's a that's the situation you have to avoid at all costs. So those are your three steps. Now, the second part of Doc M's question was, how do you know if it's a great offseason or a mediocre one? Unfortunately, you won't know until after the season is done. So when you think back to 2022, we all said, man, Kevin Colbert hit this free agency out of the ballpark. And they made a lot of really good moves when you think about it. Uh, The ones that I've already mentioned, Cole, Daniels, Jack, Wallace, Edmonds, KZ, even Trubisky was a smart signing. He was an insurance policy. Now, the NFL draft, again, that's part of this offseason. I didn't really dive into that too much other than the fact that you want to be able to have the flexibility and the freedom to draft the best player available and not have to focus on an individual position. And when I think back to 2022, what a great draft class it was. But we needed to see it before we could actually talk about it and grade it. Yeah, we always do draft grades the day after the pick, and we always cover the draft grades by people like Mel Kuyper, but it's kind of foolish. These these players haven't played a, a snap as a professional. And we're supposed to grade them on what? How? Exactly. That's the whole point. Nonetheless, when you go you give them a whole year and you look at Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, DeMarvin Liao, you look at Connor Hayward, you're also talking about Mark Robinson. Jalen Warren is an undrafted rookie. And then you throw in Calvin Austin third, who didn't even play but could still contribute. What a great draft class. But we can't say that until we've been through it. So if the Steelers go well, step one, step two, step three, they do all those things, you're thinking, okay, this is a successful offseason. It can blow up in your face. I will always talk about how when the Steelers signed Ladarius Green, Morgan Burnett, uh, even Dante Moncrief myself at Behind the Steel Curtain, and plenty of other websites to cover the Pittsburgh Steelers all talked about how great the signings were, and they just didn't pan out. You have to give it time. We all want to have the knee-jerk reaction. We all want the instant satisfaction of knowing... That this is perfect, but it just doesn't always work out that way. So when you're talking about success, we won't know that for the free agency class, for the draft, and by proxy, Omar Khan and Andy Weedle, until the season is over, unfortunately. But I still believe in that three-step process. If they can do that, I think they could have a lot of success this offseason said it before I'll say it again this is a critical juncture for the Pittsburgh Steelers in this organization's history they they succeeded last year of getting through that red light can they get through this red light we will see if they do the trajectory is pointing upwards and I think big things are ahead what else is coming up for you the fan the listener is we got Jeremy Jerome Betts of the all bets are off segment and stay tuned to the very end as we finish every Friday podcast with a little heart to heart stay tuned we'll be right back All right, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is the second half of the show. It is Friday. That means it's time for the All Bets Are Off segment with Jeremy Jerome Betts. What is going on, Jeremy? How are you?
1: Man, I'm getting uh getting better on the mend from my second bout with COVID, but uh I I was sick over the Super Bowl weekend, which was a bummer, so I didn't go to my get to go to my Super Bowl party. But uh still had a good time, uh enjoyed the game. And, uh, man, ready for the offseason in full. Let's get to it.
0: Well, let's start there. What were your thoughts of the Super Bowl? I mean, I know yeah. you didn't get to do the Steelers fix this week because you weren't well, and Andrew had a good interview with uh, a punning prospect
1: in the NFL draft.
0: But what were your yep. th- overall takeaways from the Super Bowl?
1: Uh, I thought it was two very even teams. Um I think the, the battle going into it for me was always – Uh, roster building versus uh, all world quarterback. And I think the, the Eagles had put together a championship roster and not to say their quarterback was a slouch by any means. You could even argue that he played a better game than Patrick Mahomes did on the other side, but the chiefs just rely so much on Mahomes and Andy Reid to figure things out and be good enough. Even where you might consider parts of their team lacking uh, in talent compared to some of their uh, opponents and I think that that is kind of what played out in this game is that when the chips were down and when the team needed uh, Mahomes and, and Reed to write the ship and get things going they did it to the tune of four uh, second half drives that all ended in points and uh, a closeout for the win and yeah you can you can talk about the penalty um, which was iffy in my opinion, but uh, shouldn't overshadow what the Chiefs accomplished, especially on offense in the running game as well, uh, to close out that game. So, congrats to the Chiefs. Uh, I was rooting for the Eagles. I had picked the Eagles. Uh, I thought Jalen Hurts deserved a win, but uh, sometimes you just uh, you get a little unfortunate, and uh, maybe you know the fact that your defense that led the league in sacks by a good margin couldn't get one. Patrick Mahomes all day, uh, you know, that's more of a of an issue than uh, the holding call at the end of the game that that sealed the deal for KC.
0: Yeah, that's the talking point that I was talking with someone at the gym the other day and they were asking, me, hey, what do you think about the Super Bowl? And uh, yeah, we talked about the penalty and all that stuff. And I mentioned how it wasn't called all game. And then they call it at that juncture. It just really. Yeah, yeah. It's like, man, that sucks. Like, hey, you just don't if you haven't called it all game, because that happens all the time in the National Football League. If you haven't called it all game, you call it there, that's suspect. However, the one thing that no one's talking about is what you just talked about. A defensive put up over 70 sacks. I think it was 70 sacks this 70, season.
1: Like 72 um, sacks, I think. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Zero.
0: They don't get to right. the quarterback in the first half at all. So you know what no one is talking about? Andy Reid, and maybe it's Eric B. Enemy as well. In the sure. second half of that game, they came out and said, they're going to start bringing pressure because they're getting to the point where they're saying, we, we, oh my gosh. Like we're a team that thrives on getting to the quarterback and we have it. So we're going to start bringing pressure and right. you saw them prepared for it. The hot red. That's when Juju Smith Schuster started to come alive was because they weren't getting home with four and they had to send extra players. And that's when Juju Smith Schuster got the good matchups and he was winning those battles. And so no one's really talking about that aspect of it. Good coaching, good yeah. game planning, Kudos to the Chiefs. I, I I honestly had no rooting interest in this game. I was rooting for a parlay to hit. Freaking Deontay, hey, Deontay Smith. I think that's his name. Devontae Smith. Devontae, right? yep. Yeah. Yep, Devontae if Smith. If he stays in bounds,
1: oh.
0: I hit my parlay. It would have gotten me two Jalen Hurts touchdown passes. I had the one and a half in the over. It got me the yardage, but not the touchdowns. I'm like, ah, they're still in the red zone. They'll throw a touchdown. Nope, they run another one in. Right. Screw you, man. Stay in bounds. <laughs> like, come on. I don't bet a lot I know of money, it. but still... I'm like, that was my one thing. That's all I needed on my parlay. But, you know, it was a a good game. I am not about to go as far as to say that it was one of the greatest ever. If they kick a field goal, meaning the flag's never thrown, they kick a field goal, Jalen Hurts and the offense get the ball with over a minute and a half left with timeouts, and they get a chance to drive. Now we might be talking, but the way that that game ended, I know that Seth Wickersham at – ESPN said it was one of the greatest ever. I wrote the article for behindthesteelcurtain.com and I said I cannot disagree more. There's so many more,
1: not just Steelers games. There's so many more Super Bowls that were better. You agree with that? I do. Uh I think the the way it finished with that with that bit of anticlimactic ending, you just kind of it didn't put it all together for me. Uh I mean even last year's Super Bowl which was considered kind of a dud overall Was a little more exciting at the finish, I thought, than this one because of how things, uh, how the script flipped with that that penalty. So yeah, I think in order to, man, in order to to reach that status as one of the best ever, I think you got to have the finish, and that's what made um, fifty or uh, sorry forty three so fantastic to me was, you know, you had the big plays throughout the game, and this game had a lot of big plays too, Um, but. Then to, to close it out with with that drive uh, by Roethlisberger and connecting with Santonio Holmes in the back of the end zone, that's what makes a great Super Bowl. From a man, that was a good game, well fought. Uh, congrats to the winner. You know that's a memorable Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl to me.
0: It was entertaining. I do like a little bit more defense than that. Uh, you know, I, I, they were showing the crazy highlights of uh, or not highlights, yeah. but famous super bowls in Arizona. And one of those was a 17 to 14 giants over the pages. Like yeah. 17, 14 is 38, 35. Like it's incredible. It wasn't that long right. ago, but let me ask you this question before we move on from the super bowl is, is Patrick Mahomes the NFL's new golden boy.
1: Ooh. Uh, yeah, uh, I'd say so. They love him. Uh, he, he rakes in the views. Uh, he's, He's good on the mic. Uh, he's obviously very good on on the field. Uh, I, you know, I'm not going to be one of these guys that says the NFL tries to put him in position to succeed as far no. as like, <laughs> you know, scripting games and whatnot. But, but yeah, I mean, he's the he's the face of the league at this point, and whoever that person is, uh, tends to become a, a golden boy, if you will. I, yeah. I believe it. I
0: think he is. I think he is. You know, he's got that squeaky clean persona. He's, he's not getting into trouble yet off the field. So I I think the NFL is going to, they're going to market the heck out of this guy. It did irk me though. Did you see the video of Roger Goodell, uh, like hugging all, like uh, hugging all these chiefs players and all this. I was like, man, (laughs) did you see that video? I I didn't see that video. No, you'll, I'll, you'll have, have to share it with, with you on point, Twitter. Yeah. I saw, I was like, man, that's not a good look. Like <laughs> what do you he, he told, I think it was Chris Jones. Is that the defensive lineman's name? Yes. Yep. He gave him like a big hug and they were hugging. He goes, I don't care how you'd sack the quarterback. And he said, i like, dude, you're the freaking commissioner. Like, yeah. you Find all these guys. If James Harrison heard you say that he hates you already. <laughs> right. He's going to hate you even more. Absolutely. <laughs> just yep. a bad you're look. Put, it's just a, a really target on your back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. Well, Enough Super Bowl talk. We have a lot of offseason now to get ready for. And the first thing up for the Steelers is free yeah. agency. And that's coming up in less than a month now. And I want to ask you if you were to prioritize a position in free agency, sure. regardless of whether it's an in-house like a Larry Ogunjobe or a Cameron Sutton, what position would you target in free agency first, assuming that Omar Khan and Andy Weedle are going to do so?
1: Yeah, I I think um just for cost effectiveness sake you're you're talking defensive line and inside linebacker um strong safety if you can't retain terrell edmonds but i think if you're bringing in an outside free agent then uh, somebody along the defensive line that can really handle the nose tackle duties play that zero tech that one tech um in the the steelers three four base and and you know with some versatility obviously they play a lot of package defense as well but um you know, you're talking about, I, I wrote an article in part of my series of uh, the bets Offseason" uh in 2023. I had the Steelers going after Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, so, you know, played for Minnesota this last year. I think he played for the Chargers in the past as well. Still under 30, I believe. And just a big people mover in the middle. Uh, I don't think he would be that expensive. And you're talking about uh, adding to a position where you're not going to have to break the bank because it's not as highly valued across the league. If you go after a left tackle in free agency, you're gonna to have to spend big bucks to get a starter there. If you go after cornerback in free agency, you're gonna to have to get a spend big bucks to to land a, a guy opposite hopefully Cam Sutton that the Steelers can retain of their own free agents. But so I'm talking guys like Dalvin Tomlinson along the defensive line or maybe a Jermaine Pratt or even a Tremaine Edmonds is all the rage with Steelers fans right now, but Jermaine Pratt from Cincinnati at inside linebacker had the highest coverage grade of any linebacker off ball linebacker in the league this year. And if the Steelers struggled anywhere in 2022 uh, at inside linebacker, it was in coverage. So getting a guy like that to shore up that area of the middle linebacker group would be huge for the team as well. So you don't have to spend huge money on it. Um, if you wanted to go on the offensive side of the ball, maybe a vet wide receiver. I don't think you have to spend a whole bunch of money there either, but I'm really targeting that defense where there's going to be more holes. So I'm going to say defensive line, uh, specifically at the nose and then, um, inside linebacker.
0: Yeah, I could get on board with that. And then when you think about how that sets up the draft, now I have a question for you. Cause obviously on, I think it was, yeah, Thursday, no Wednesday. Um, Todd McShay did an, his latest mock draft. Now, mock drafts are nothing right. more than just predictions and guesses. And especially Correct. when, you know, McShay throws in that the Colts are going to trade up to get the number one overall pick. And you know, that that's a lot. Like you're 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 projecting a lot here. So yeah, I want to ask you about mock drafts. Are there any particular, we'll call them experts? I used air quotes there. That you value their mock drafts over others, or do you take them all in and say, Well, let's see how they have this thing playing out? Like, how do you approach
1: sure. mock drafts? Yeah, well, there's this, this guy um for uh BTSC named Jeremy Betts who does really good ones. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh no, that's a good question because I think you know, when you look at mock drafts, there's there's so much speculation. I think the best way to go about a mock draft is, is recognizing the positional needs of teams. And also, I guess, you know, if you're not deep diving into the the historical, how these teams draft, you know, uh, under the the regime that they're, they're currently under, uh, you know, you're not going to have as, as deep a knowledge necessarily. Like I probably know more about the Steelers tendencies than I do, any other team in the NFL obviously right. because they're, I'm a fan of them and I've I've watched them for years but um I don't know I go to Daniel Jeremiah I think he's a, he's a really good um he's a he's a sound mind when it comes to evaluating prospects I think he's fairly plugged into the league um in that you, well you'd hope so as the lead analyst for NFL Network I just think he approaches it with a little more sanity not a, not as much trying to draw those clicks as maybe the ESPN guys do. So I really like DJ. I like Bucky Brooks as well. They're kind of my go-to guys. Um, And maybe I'm biased to NFL network over ESPN, but they just seem to be a little more on the nose. And uh, I guess understanding the situation of each team and kind of their history a little bit better. So I go to those guys, but if you're talking about not NFL network, not ESPN, then I like to go to the Draft Network. I think that they've got a good group of former scouts and and players that are a part of their um their group of of draft analysts and I think they do a good job with their mocks uh getting getting players to the right place and and really not focusing so much on the, the trades and the all these projected projecting things and you're just going after, you know, what does this team need? Who's the best player available in, in your opinion, at that position there. I think that that's the most sensible way to do it.
0: Something I'm going to do. And that's a great answer. And I'm glad you said this. I want to check out some of those guys. I don't really read theirs as much as say the, the Kuipers and the McShays and, and sure. all that stuff. Um, give me a prospect, any prospect right now. And, and we're talking about collegiate players of getting ready to go pro in the NFL sure. draft. Give me a prospect that you're like, hey, this guy's intriguing. Just keep a name. Just throw out a name. Where's he from? What positions he play? Kind of like giving our listeners, giving the rider dives crew some homework. Say, hey, if you want sure. a prospect to check out, check this guy out. Who's who's that prospect this week? I would
1: talk about um, DeMarvian Overshone out of Texas. Okay. He's an inside linebacker prospect. Uh, he played inside linebacker for Texas, but he's a converted safety and he's six foot four and like 240 pounds. He's like, uh, <laughs> let, let me get, That's actually, let me look at something here. No, no, no. Okay. He's six foot four and like 230 pounds. So he's That's a little still bit, a big human being. He is. So <laughs> you're talking like a, a Tremaine Edmonds size guy, maybe not as heavy. Um, but I likened him as far as, um, skillset. He He's probably not quite as fast, but as far as like what you're going to ask of him to do in the, in the NFL, he kind of reminds you of Ryan Shazier in that he can mm. move sideline to sideline. He's got coverage ability. Um, You know, he's got some of, uh, some of that versatility. It's, it's like if, if Marcus Allen had actually been a little bit bigger, um, you know, and was groomed as an inside linebacker in college, it's kind of like that. Um, But I think that this guy has a chance to be a lot better. <coughs> excuse me I have him going to the I have him going to the Steelers in the fourth round of my or no the third round of the mock draft that I just released and I think that his stock will rise throughout the um, football and shorts <laughs> time of the offseason because you're going to see his athleticism teams are going to see his his movement skills his coverage skills and in the passing league that we're in, that is just a huge deal. So uh he's a guy that I really like and I'm starting to he's starting to grow on me. Um so I guess that would be the player I would mention at this point in my uh draft analysis so far. Awesome.
0: So I'm gonna ask you that every week. So you gotta have someone for us every week. Uh I'll the, get the draft prospect of the week. Good stuff. Jeremy, Absolutely. why don't you tell people what you have coming up on the website and also what the Steelers fix is uh cooking up here on the Steel Curtain Network.
1: Yeah, Steelers Fix is going to jump into these um, positional previews uh, for the draft. And then as we approach free agency, so probably in the next two weeks or so, we're going to have a show talking about free agency specifically. We might combine that with a positional preview. Um, but the combine's coming up at the end of this month as well. So we've got a lot coming up. So the Steelers Fix will be on all of that and then I will be doing some work uh about the the combine coming up. That's probably going to be my focus some guys to to watch in the combine coming up. And then I do have an article coming out maybe out by the time you you hear this uh about Kenny Pickett and which quarterbacks from 2022 had stat lines that would be acceptable to Steelers fans uh for Kenny Pickett in 2023. So kind of a different look at at some expectations for KP8 going into his second year and then you can follow me on twitter at the bets 93 t-h-e-b-e-t-z-9-3 always talking steelers and nfl football on the social platforms there there you
0: go and that article will be out today friday probably around 9 30 a.m eastern time so Sweet. make sure you check that out from jeremy jeremy thank you as always i appreciate it we'll talk to you next friday
1: sounds good man have a good one you too
0: Oh, and a big thank you to Jeremy Jerome Betts, as always, for taking the time on a Friday to uh, just you know spend some time with us. Yeah, I don't think people realize, like, I do appreciate people's time, and he gives us some of his time every single week. I love talking to him about the NFL in general, the Pittsburgh Steelers, of course. So a big thank you to Jeremy. Let's finish this up with a heart-to-heart like we do every Friday. As I record this, which is actually being recorded on Thursday, the 16th, uh, my family is packing up currently, getting ready to head back to the old stomping grounds of Wheeling, West Virginia, and it's for all the wrong reasons. I've talked about on Monday, we found out that my uncle had passed away, uh, and it's just been a, you get, it's hey, sometimes you got to wait, you know? And so his services and everything are going to be this upcoming weekend, and uh, I've got to deliver another eulogy. I had to do that at my grandmother's funeral barely got through it. I'll probably barely get through this one as well. Uh, but you know what? It just kind of reminds me, and I hate how this happens, and I'm sure if you've been through this, you're the same. When you have these family tragedies and you go back home or wherever you are and you're around your family and friends, you have af- af- often ask yourself, why do we wait till someone dies to do this? It doesn't make any sense because you enjoy each other's company so much. You reminisce, you tell stories, you laugh, you cry. And then, you say, well, can we do this again? And that's kind of the heart—the heart-to-heart this week is, you know, in, enjoy family before it's too late, you know, and and enjoy your life. I, I honestly, I, I swear, it's it's so short, you know. I, this upcoming week, actually on Monday, I turned forty, and I still struggle with the fact that I'm going to be forty years old. I'm not scared of a number. I feel great, feel better than I did probably when I was twenty or thirty, but still. It's just that number. And you're like, man, 40 years already? You know, I've got a 14-year-old son, our first our born. It just, it goes by so quick. It, honestly, this life is not long enough that you can just dive into negativity and let it consume you. Stay positive. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your family. Tell everyone you love them when you have the chance. Go and visit that family member before it's too late. That's the heart to heart. All right, folks, that does it for me. I hope you enjoy your weekend. I'm going to actually enjoy my weekend uh, once I get through that eulogy with my family. And uh, we'll be back on Monday, hopefully with a Monday morning conversation. So, all right, folks, you know how we finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you on Monday. this you.